Well, again, good morning. Hey, great to see you this morning. My name is George Davis. If you've got a Bible, I'm going to ask you to join with me in turning to Genesis chapter 12, the first book in the Old Testament. Genesis 12. So we'll get there in a moment. As you're turning there, I would just, for those of you that are part of our church, I just appreciate your prayer this week on Friday and Saturdays. Our elders and members, some of the members of our staff are going to spend time together just prayerfully considering the next couple of years and what it looks like for us to live out our mission of living, loving, and leading in that time frame. And actually to help us through that conversation, a colleague is coming in to facilitate that retreat, Shane Stacy, a former national leader. And our denomination will be with us for a couple of days. So we just appreciate your prayers over this week and particularly on Friday and Saturday. Now, as we come to Genesis 12, we've already acknowledged what's taking place later today. Uh, Many of us will be at Super Bowl parties. And for some of us, there will be a certain level of stress. Some of you are actually, I've discovered, 49ers fans are Chiefs fans. We do have people in our church. And uh, so maybe you're going to feel the added pressure of, I really want my team to win. On the other hand, I, as a Cowboys fan, will have no such pressure. Uh, I'm really going to be able to enjoy the game. Uh, I haven't felt that pressure in a long, long time. (laughs) I know it's a... But what I have experienced, if you're a Cowboys fan, and there are a few of you here, although we... These these are the people that come up to me, look around, I'm a Cowboys fan too. It's really... There are more of us here than you realize. I just want you to know that, but... For those of us that are Cowboys fans, the the question over the last few weeks hasn't been, will we make the playoffs? The question is, who will be our next coach? Because as the season came to an end, it became clear that a coaching change was coming, so that created a lot of questions, and finally the season ended. There was a week of drama in Dallas, and at the end of that, Mike McCarthy, former Green Bay Packers coach, was announced as the new coach of the Dallas Cowboys. And now the question, if you follow Dallas media, now the question is this okay, is he really the guy? Is he really the guy to get the job done? Can we really get back to those glory days many, many years ago? I mean, can we really get back to making a deep run into the playoffs, maybe even getting back to the Super Bowl? So these are the questions that are rolling around. Now, whether or not you are a football fan or not, my guess is there have been times where you've wrestled with those kinds of questions. Maybe as a student, you walked into a certain classroom and you were nervous about the topic and you're like, can this teacher really get the job done in helping me understand this? Maybe you've been in a situation in your workplace, you've taken a new job or your boss has changed and and you're wondering, is, is he or she, is this the person that can really get the job done? Likewise, we're in an election year and that means for most of us over the, there's going to be a season where our mailbox will be filled with all kinds of you know, election literature, people wanting us to vote for them for different areas of public service. And at times you may find yourself looking at that card going, is this really a person who can get this job done? At some, time, at some points we ask those questions. And interestingly, this morning we're continuing our journey through the first part of the Old Testament. If you're new this morning, we're in this series called Love This Book. We're working our way through the first half of the Old Testament. And we come to a place, really, believe it or not, we come to a place in the Bible where it's natural to ask those kinds of questions. Is this really the guy that can get the job done? Can things really be different in light of what he's going to do? Can things really change? This morning we were at coming to uh, Genesis chapter 12. 
And this is the place where we are introduced to the individual who really becomes the focal point in the book of Genesis. An individual that we're introduced to as Abram. His name will later be changed to Abraham. And as we come to this place and we start to wrestle with who this guy is, it's just natural to ask these kinds of questions. You know, is, can things really be different with this guy? Now, this is the place in Genesis where the narrative starts to slow down. And this is the place where we kind of go from kind of a global history of the world to to a focus on this one guy and this one family. And the argument of Genesis is, I know this just one guy, but God is actually going to do some amazing things through this individual. Furthermore, if, if you actually come to understand this scene in the Bible, Genesis chapter 12, and you are a follower of Christ, you will discover that you actually can find yourself in this part of the Old Testament. You will discover that this very ancient text has some very clear guidance and direction for how you and I are are just to engage life on an everyday basis. So with that in mind, let's now come to Genesis 12. And as we come there, you know, it's always important when you read the Bible to pay attention to context. So as we come to Genesis 12, let's pay attention really to the broader context Last week we saw the reality of sin and brokenness entering human experience. And and as I said last week, at the heart of sin is the desire for self-rule. And you read Genesis 3 through 11, what you are seeing is is the outworking of that of that perspective. What you're seeing is the virus of sin work its way through human experience and human civilization. And consequently, things begin to unravel. The goodness of God's creation becomes frayed. All of this culminates in Genesis 11, where we see the scene we know as the Tower of Babel, where these people are trying to build a name for themselves. And as we see, it really doesn't turn out well. So we're we're watching human experience kind of unravel at the edges. We're watching human experience become more complicated because of sin, more disjointed. And by the time you get to the end of chapter 11, you have to wonder, is this just the way life is going to be? Is this, is this as good as it gets? Will it just kind of, in essence, be one negative season, one negative cycle after another? Yet the author has already given us clues that God's going to put a rescue plan in place. And it's the framework of that plan that becomes very evident at the beginning of Genesis 12. And once again, it's a plan that begins with one guy and his family, Abram. We are actually introduced to him at the end of chapter 11. At the end of chapter 11, we're given the family tree of his father, Terah. And so we get introduced to the entire family, and Abram is in the mix. And of course, the interesting thing is, As we are introduced to Abram, the first thing we're really told about him in chapter 11, verse 30, is this. His wife, Sarah, has been unable to have children. And once again, right at the beginning as we're introduced to this guy, you're you're prone to wonder, can anything really big happen through this guy? How can someone actually lead to some huge movement if they can't even have children? So with those questions in mind, we come to chapter 12. So notice the beginning of Genesis chapter 12. 
The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Now, to kind of understand what's going on here, I've actually charted this, this verse for you, kind of based on the underlying Hebrew grammar, the underlying Hebrew syntax. And when you look at this in the original language, you will notice there are two commands. There are two imperatives in these three verses. First, there is the command in verse 1 that you are to go from your country. And then at the end of verse 2, there's the command that you are to be a blessing. So let's just unpack this for a moment. First, Abram is told to go. Now understand, in this context, that is, that is a great deal to ask of anyone. To go from your country, your people, your family, because in the ancient world, that was everything. That was your identity. That was who you are. And now he is told to leave all that is familiar, all that is comfortable, take a huge step into the unknown. Yet notice with this command come these amazing promises. First of all, he says, I'm going to make you into a great nation. And I have to wonder, how would Abram hear that? I mean, this this has been a sore spot in his life for years. We're not able to have kids. I almost wonder if there was a part of him that felt like, why are you telling me this? This is just a cruel joke, right? Hit me at my point of vulnerability. And yet God will not relent on this I mean, as as this relationship continues in Genesis, God comes back to it. I mean, in Genesis chapter 15, God says, okay, Abram, I want you to look at the stars. I know you can't count them, but I want you to know one day your descendants are just going to be like that. I'm going to make you into a great nation. I'm I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. Now, notice the contrast here between chapter 11 and chapter 12. Remember chapter 11? Chapter 11 is all about self-rule and self-achievement and self-control, you know, controlling your destiny, where where everyone, we're going to make a name for ourselves. And, of course, that doesn't work out so well. But now God comes to Abram and says, no, 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 it's not about achievement. This is is what I'm going to give you. This is going to be my blessing, my grace at work in your life. I'm going to make your name great. So I wonder, I wonder what it was like for him to hear this, just to start to soak all this in. You're going to give me a great <laughs> a nation, a family. You're going to make my name great. I mean, imagine the last, do you remember the last time you heard some really amazing, amazingly good news? You know, maybe it was, hey, you've been accepted into this program. Or, yes, I will go out on a date with you. Or, no, the test came back negative. Can I offer you this job? I mean, do you, you know that feeling when something really amazing starts to happen in your life and you just, oh my goodness, I can't believe this. And so here's Abram and I think he's, he's got to be processing all this. But notice, even as he's processing all that, it, the commissioning continues because, and it's, it's, but Abraham, understand this. I'm going to do all this. And man, this is going to be your story. Your life is going to be totally different from now on. But understand, this isn't ultimately just about you because... I'm going to bless the world through you. And even as you are to go, you are also to to be a blessing. 
I'm going to be at work in your life. I'm going to do some amazing things in your life, but it, it's never to just stop with you because I'm going to do this so that you can be a blessing to others. So I'm going to bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And here's, here's the bottom line for this entire commissioning. And all the people of the earth will be blessed through you. That's what all this is about, Abram. So yeah, I'm going to do some amazing things in you and with you, but understand I'm ultimately doing things in you and with you so that I can work through you. It's not just about you. Now, as I said, it's natural to wrestle with these kinds of questions about, well, is, you know, is Abram really up to the task? And what's that going to be like? Is he really up for the job? But notice that while there's some powerful commands here, the, the underlying foundation is God's promise. In other words, the underlying reality here is God is going to be faithful to his promises and to his character. In some ways, this, this commissioning, it's not ultimately about Abraham. It's about God's faithfulness to who he is. So, Abraham, I'm going to bless you, but I'm blessing you to be a blessing to others. Now, I don't know if you realize it, but there, there's some passages in the Bible that really are key to understanding the Scripture. Some passages you really need to mark if you're in the habit of marking your Bible. And if you do that, this is one you need to mark. This is a foundational passage in the Bible to understanding the storyline of Scripture. Because what you have in Genesis 12, 1 to 3 is a blueprint for the rest of the Bible. Because God will work through Abraham's family. It becomes the nation of Israel. And through this nation, the Messiah will come, Jesus Christ, who becomes the key to God's plan of forgiveness, renewal, and restoration. And that's the, that's what, that's the, this is the unworking of the entire storyline of the Bible. It's re, it, it really un, it, it unpacks what we see in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. And the reality is, if you are a follower of Christ, you are now drawn into this very storyline right here. If you are a follower of Christ, you should see yourself in Genesis 12, 1 to 3. To show you what I mean, look at what the Apostle Paul would write centuries later to an early group of Christian followers. He would say this, Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, and notice this, and announce the gospel in advance. Right? Paul is looking back to passages like Genesis 12 and says, What this is, this is the gospel in advance. And, and he announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All the nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Do you hear what he's saying? He's saying, look, I want you to see yourself in this storyline. Just like Abraham, you, you who have experienced the gospel have experienced this blessing, this grace of God. And now you've been brought into this story. But it is never to end with you. God desires to be at work in you and with you so that he can work through you. And that's what we see in Abraham's story. Now, I think all of this, all of this focus on blessing leads us to this question, what exactly does it mean for God to bless someone? One of my colleagues has written this, that when we read about blessing in places like Genesis, it expresses God's purpose to give his creatures all that they need to fulfill their lives and his creation as he contends for them. In other words, when we read about God's blessing, what God is saying is, I'm going to give you everything you need to flourish according to my design and intent. 
I'm going to give you a new identity. I'm going to bring you back into relationship with myself. And in doing that, I'm going to equip you to live life differently in your relationship, in your families, in your workplace, in your school. And I'm going to equip you to be agents of my mission to reflect my character and my message wherever you go. That's what God is doing as he brings us into this storyline. And I think as we realize that, first of all, it should lead us to a place of worship, right? Wow, I'm the recipient of this grace and these blessings. It should, bring us to, it should bring us to moments of worship. That's exactly what happens to Abraham. You read farther in chapter 12, and he, he builds an altar. But not only should this, this truth of God's blessing bring us to a place of, of worship, it should also just instill in us this desire for mission. I'm now, I'm now to be a part of this ongoing mission. God is at work in me and with me so that he can work through me. It's never to stop with me. I'm blessed to be a blessing. And being a recipient of God's grace, I'm also to be an agent of God's grace. Now let me just, let me just give you one tangible story, one tangible, tangible uh, example of what it can look like to live as part of this bigger story, to live as part of God's mission. And to do that, I'm going to ask Dave Hyatt to join me. So Dave, if you would join me and let's just talk about one story. Oh, wait being followed. Now, hi, I'm Dave Hyatt. So yeah, I'm, the, uh, I'm on staff here in the area of local and global outreach, and I'm joined today by some friends, John and Carol Lahr. And um, as George has been talking about from Genesis 12, God is a missionary God. God has a heart for those who don't know him yet. And he's called us, he's blessed us to be a blessing. And I just wanted to uh, let these guys share their story, because I've just been so impressed with, with how God has worked through you guys over the years. So John, Kara, I just wanted you to Share a little bit about how um, you've lived on mission for God and how he's, how he's worked through that. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think first, just uh, having a willingness to uh, talk about God and our faith um, with uh, our coworkers, with our neighbors, um, as op- opportunities present themselves. Um, so about five years ago, uh, my physical therapy student, uh, Colleen, um, we were just having a conversation, and she was about to graduate and enter the workforce with us. Um, And she just asked me how I decided to um, start working in the Hershey area. Um, And one of the the main reasons I gave her um, was just I felt ultimately that God gave me a piece about um, kind of leading me to this area. Um, And I think that simple comment then opened doors to have further conversations. um, So just uh, the mentioning of God was part of your life and story to her. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. About faith and um, and then this led to uh, Karen and I be able to uh, invite her along to go to an Alpha course with us. So, Kara, John mentioned the Alpha course, and uh, I kind of knew he was going to do that. Um, so, <laughs> tell us a little bit more about what the Alpha course is and how you guys have been involved there. Yeah, so Alpha is a course that's designed for um, people who are new to Christian faith, as well as those that maybe have questions about Christianity. Um, but also for those that have been Christians their whole life that have a friend that maybe they'd want to invite to come along with. Um, And Alpha, we start the evening with a meal together, and then we have a short video um, that kind of goes over some of life's hard questions. Um, And then we have a time of discussion around small tables. Um, As far as our involvement, so we first started as uh, participants where we had invited our friends to come along with us. And then... um, 
after that, at times we've been able to be table leaders. And how have you guys, have you seen God work through the Alpha Course? You mentioned Colleen as one person. I, I remember one thing you shared, John, about um, another time whenever another coworker was like, hey, why didn't you invite me? So I thought that was cool, but go ahead, care. Yeah, so after the first Alpha Course that we did, um, Colleen really uh, entered into a personal relationship with Christ. And as we saw her faith grow, she ended up inviting more of her coworkers to do an Alpha Course. And at that time, um, we had had a young family, and so we hosted an Alpha Course in our home with that group. And um, it was towards the end of that group that another one of our friends, Marissa, um, started her walk with Christ. And over the past two years, um, they've both moved out of the area since, but I've been able to do a Bible study with these ladies um, over FaceTime. And it's just been really neat to see how God has um, used Alpha and also us to just be a small part in their faith journeys. That's awesome. So both Colleen and her friend came to faith in Christ and have been growing and doing a FaceTime Bible study. And I wanted you to know, um, they did the, the Alpha course in their home because they have small kids. It's not like, well, I got to wait until I get out of this stage of life to really be used by God. They're um, right now their little guys are in, in, the, in child care here and kid step. So, John, I also wanted to ask just um, what would you say to someone who's, who's unsure about how they can step into the mission of God that um, maybe Alpha is part of that, but just in general, how can, how can they do that? Yeah, so I think just first intentionally praying about it. Um, I think both in Colleen and Marissa's story, it was obvious that God was already working um, in their lives, and we just kind of came alongside them um, in their faith journey. Uh, but I think second, just being willing to go and do uh, what God is calling us to. Um, I, I really truly believe that God has a specific purpose for each and every one of us uh, to live missionally where we are. Um, so whether that's in our schools, our workplaces, um, our neighborhoods. Um, and the great thing about Alpha is it's given us a platform or a tool to be able to share um, uh, the gospel with those around us. Yeah. Well, thank you. I know both in your, in your neighborhoods and, and work as a physical therapist and nurse practitioner, God has given you great opportunities and you've taken them. And I'm really, I'm excited to see how God continues to work. Um, we will be hosting our next Alpha course starting on February 27th. It's a, it's a great time. I just ask you to, to think through this question. Who's your Colleen? Maybe who's the person in your life that you're praying for saying, hey, I'm just going to take a step of, of faith and invite them and see. And then I'm going to come along with them. You don't have to just kind of take them, leave them at the door and say, good luck. Let me know how that goes. But um, you come, sit with them, help answer their questions. And uh, we, as these guys said, we always have a meal together. We watch a, a really engaging video and then a time of discussion around the table. Um, if they come for one week, it's normally a 10-week course. If they come for a week, like, ah, that's not for me. That's fine. We're not going to bug them. But um, invitations are available in the lobby. You can pick up invitations at the hub. And, uh, but I wanted to just pray for these guys and pray for our upcoming Alpha course. So, Father in heaven, thanks for... Um, just thanks for the good news of the gospel. Thanks that you're at work in the hearts of men and women and boys and girls and calling them to yourself. Thank you for the opportunity to step into that great mission. To, that you are a missionary God that we, uh, we love because you first loved us. And I pray that the, the love of our, our hearts would increase for those who don't know you yet in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Would you help me thank the Lars this morning? Thank you, guys. That's a great story. So this might be a next step for you. Maybe you're here, you're exploring Christianity. We'd love for you to jump in because the Alpha Course is just a great place to ask questions. It's a safe environment. 
Likewise, maybe you're a follower of Christ, and as we've been talking about living as part of God's mission, this is a next step for you to think about how, you know, I could bring someone along. There's someone in my life that I think would, would be open to this, and, and this, this just could be a next step for them. So I encourage you to think about that. But I also want you to realize this. There's a truth that, that we need to wrestle with from Abraham's life as we start to think about, you know, living as part of God's mission. It was something Abraham had to learn, and it is something that we have to learn as well. And that truth is simply this. Uh, To embrace this way of life, at times there will be certain things we have to leave behind. Right? To embrace this this bigger story of God, at times there are going to be certain things that we must leave behind. Remember Abraham's story in Genesis 12. Abraham, I want you to be a blessing. I'm going to bless the world through you. But for that to happen... You've got to go. There's certain things you've, you've got to leave behind. Think about Abraham's experience for a moment. If you, if you follow Abraham's story in the book of Genesis, you will see that, you know, well, he responds. He sets out in obedience. He embraces this new adventure. But, but as the story unfolds, it becomes clear in different places that Abraham is fearful. He's an anxious person. Um, He likes to control things. At times when the pressure is is on, his his knee-jerk reaction is one of self-preservation. And so as he sets out, God is is asking him, look, Abraham, you've got to let certain things go. You've got to leave certain things behind. And I think in essence, God was saying this, Abraham, you need to leave. You need to leave certain things behind so that I can give you something better. Because if you leave, I'm going to draw you into a bigger story. And I think as you follow his life, this is the ongoing lesson that God is teaching him. Abraham, I'm calling you into this bigger story. I'm calling you into this story that moves your life beyond yourself. But for you to live this way, there's certain things you're going to have to leave behind. You're going to have to leave behind your desire for control. You're going to, at times, have to move past your fear that can immobilize you. You're going to have to trust me. Frankly, this wasn't easy for Abraham. And at times, we see this in his story. This is why one of the reasons why we get to Genesis 15, and God says, okay, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then we get to chapter 22. Remember that scene where God asked him to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And let's be honest, maybe at times you've read this, and doesn't it almost feel like this is a cruel, practical joke, right? It's like God is going to push him to the very edge and then say, no, 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 no. Maybe you feel this way about that scene, but, but understand this in the broader context of what's been going on here. You see, throughout this relationship, God has been teaching Abraham this truth. You can trust me. You can trust me. You don't have to hold on to life fearfully, anxiously, tightly. Abraham, I'm with you. I'm leading you into this bigger story. I'm leading you into this storyline where I'm going to use you and work through you in surprising ways so that you can be a blessing to others. But to live this way, you've got to trust me. You've got to leave certain things behind. And I think ultimately this is the lesson that Abraham is learning. And I think it becomes clear as we see the end of chapter 22, right? Right as God leads Abraham right to the edge of you've got to take your son's life and then pulls back. Here's part of what we read in Genesis 22. 
do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. So Abraham called the place the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. Now you notice two words in brackets. These are Hebrew words and I think these two terms help give us the underlying lesson that Abram was learning here because they're very similar in Hebrew and often when, when an author will use these, this kind of similar language, we're, we're intended to draw connections. So the word for fear, yirat, is very similar to the word provide, yirat. And so what we're learning here was this overarching lesson that Abraham was learning was that to fear God was to trust that he would provide. And now Abraham has been brought to this point where it's like, okay, I'm, I can let go of certain stuff. I can move past my desire for control, some of my fears, that anxiety, because I'm, I'm learning and I'm seeing more deeply that God will provide, God will provide. So Abraham's being called into this bigger than expected life where his life is a blessing to others. But to engage that well, he has to leave certain things behind. And you know, ultimately, this, is, this isn't just the lesson that Abraham was learning. I think it's, it's a lesson we have to learn as followers of Christ as well. You see, if you're a follower of Christ, as, as we've already seen, you're invited into Genesis 12. God is inviting you into this kind of life. Through Christ, we are the recipients of God's grace, his blessings. But now we are to be agents of that grace, agents of this message. And to embrace this, there will be certain things we need to leave behind. For some of us, maybe what we have to leave behind is self-focus. That is, I'm always focused on my stuff. Whatever's going on in my life, I just allow it to become all-consuming. And when it becomes all-consuming, it's just... It's, it's so hard to just pay attention to the people around me. It's so hard to engage them well. Because I, I'm just always focused on whatever's in front of me or my family, my job, my health, my finances, whatever. And I always allow it to be all-consuming. Maybe what I have to leave behind is fear. You know, I'm just, I never, I always just play it safe in conversations. I'm not really comfortable talking about God, even making a comment like John did to a coworker. I could never imagine doing that. And yet, as you saw, that, that one simple comment just led to a new trajectory in someone's life. So maybe part of what I need to leave behind is fear. I mean, maybe even now there's someone who's come to mind and the, the reality is, you know, that, that would be a person I could invite to Alpha. or that, That's a conversation that I need to have with this friend. Or, but in order to do that, I've, I've got to get past the fear. So God is calling us into this bigger story. And he's saying, you can trust me. Just like Abraham could, you can trust me. I will be with you. I will be with you. And so with that in mind, let me just kind of leave you with this question. The question is simply this. What must you leave behind to live as part of God's story? What must you leave behind to live as part of God's story? A few moments ago, we started by asking, you know, could God really be at, <laughs> at work through Abraham? Could this really be a guy that got things done? And as it turns out, God was able to work through him. 
And the same can be true for you and me. Just like Abraham, we are invited into this bigger story where he is working in us and with us so that he can work through us. But for that to take place, there will be certain things that we have to leave behind. So just personalize that question. What must I leave behind to live as part of God's mission? What must I leave behind to live as part of God's mission? Let's pray together. Father God, we come to this passage where you've been interacting with Abraham, and this is a place where so much of history changes. Because this is a passage that gives us the blueprint for what you are doing. And Father, I pray that we wouldn't simply see this as the story of Abraham. I also pray that for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we would see this as a story that we've been invited to be a part of. I pray that we would understand the reality that we're the recipient of your blessings and your grace through Jesus Christ. Father, I also pray that we would see that in being drawn into this story, we're also to be agents of this grace, agents of this blessing. It's never intended just to end with us. And so, Father, may we be open to what that looks like. And may we be open to leaving behind what needs to be left behind so that we can be a participant in this bigger story. And I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.